Hello and welcome to the Magnetic Woman podcast. I'm Pandora Paloma, a quantum transformation and business coach using a fusion of spirituality meets strategy for feminine leaders, spiritual entrepreneurs and visionaries. My mission is to help female entrepreneurs find their truth and step into their greatness boldly and unapologetically and create businesses that feel like home. I help women access and accelerate their magnetism by bridging the gap between who they truly are and who they present as to the world because from this space of wholeness, we find our power, our potential, our voice and our liberation. This show is for the multidimensional woman with a big bold vision for more wealth, more impact, more expression and more freedom. Each episode takes you on a journey of expansion across my five pillars of quantum transformation self, vision, expansion, embodiment, and magnetism. Some are solo and some are with industry leaders who are playing the same game, changing the conversation about women, success, money, power, and pleasure. I'm a mum of one, music lover, love maker, and all-round magnetism activator. Tune in and welcome to my world of magnetism. I am so thrilled to be here with today's guest on the Magnetic Woman podcast. We have the lovely Emily Wilcox. Um, Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So good. So good. So we did a little bit of a podcast swap. So you've interviewed me and I'm interviewing you. Um, Emily is a money healer and business mentor. And so we're going to be talking all things money, business, entrepreneurship, probably mothering, parenting as well, because I know you've got some kids too. So let's dive straight in. I'd really love to know kind of what the turning points were that got you to where you are today. Yeah. Well, you know, I never could have predicted (laughs) that I would be doing what I'm doing. I thought I was going to be in corporate America forever. I was in sales and the companies that I worked for had pretty good schedules. So I thought this will be perfect when I become a mom. I'll just have I'll be able to, you know, pick up my kids from school. This is easy breezy. I'll do this forever. And, you know, little did I know what life had in store. And honestly, my children were such a gift to me for a million reasons. But one of them was like just that instant shift in priorities. And I never, ever, ever could have anticipated it. I never saw myself being a stay-at-home mom. It just never crossed my mind that I wouldn't be okay, you know, dropping my kid off with someone else at 11 weeks old and paying that person thousands of dollars a month and going back to work and driving around Los Angeles with breast pumps attached to me. And, And then all of a sudden I was living it and I'm like, this is the worst. There has to be a better way. Yeah, because you also don't get a lot of um, maternity leave in the States, right? It's like... No, welcome to the United States. It's like 11 or 12 weeks if you're lucky. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So that was a major turning point for me. And frankly, I couldn't do anything with it right then. Like it was just the first time that I thought maybe I could do something different. But the reality was... I was a breadwinner in our family. And, you know, I had a cushy corporate job where it wasn't just like the salary, it was the bonuses, it was the 401k with the company match, it was the company car, it was the health insurance. Like each one of these things felt 
so scary to try and replace. And so for me, the idea was, hmm, maybe before we have a second kiddo, we can turn this thing around and and reorganize so that I don't have to do this again. And so it took three years. At that time, we started um, an e-commerce business. We were selling baby onesies on Amazon. It was going to just be this side hustle until I went back to work and (laughs) realized how terrible it was. And so, you know, my husband and I were diligently building that, you know, the nap time hustle, the nighttime hustle um, with the idea that perhaps in three years time, things could look different. And so fast forward to three years, I'm very pregnant with my son. I'm about to go out on maternity leave and... Um, I knew I wasn't going to return. Our e-commerce business was doing maybe $600,000 a year at that point, which sounds great. But if you understand the economics of that and it, it rapidly growing, we were reinvesting a lot of the profits into buying more inventory. So it wasn't at the point where I could support our family, um, but it was doing something. And some of the mentors in our lives said, look, you don't understand what a valuable skill set you have here understanding Amazon. Like this is a thing and you should be bringing on clients and helping, helping them. And so it was sort of like two babies, two businesses. Cause we had my daughter and we started the e-commerce business and then we had my son and we started our agency and those things combined plus some paid maternity leave was enough to get me out of corporate America and into entrepreneurship. And, you know, it's been a wild ride. I mean, you introduced me as a coach. So obviously there's a whole other piece of this journey than just the e-commerce and the agency business, but that was really how it all got started. Wow. Wow. And so how did the... I totally get having a you know Amazon business and then the natural lead into the marketing business to support you know others um, with their Amazon business. So how did becoming a money healer and coach come into this? Yeah, so you know I've always been a student of the inner work and that's I've always benefited from it. So as I was growing the agency. Um, you know, which now does over a million dollars a year and and has done that pretty consistently. Um, you know, I was hiring coaches, mentors, and healers because it was helping me. You know, I could see that I was my own upper limits problem. I I went through all of the stuff that so many of us go through, where it's like all of a sudden you're selling a service and it feels like you. And when people say no, it feels like you're being rejected and you have all kinds of worthiness issues around what you're charging and you don't know how to delegate to your team. And so you're doing all the things. Like I, I went through every single one of those things building this agency. And so I was working with coaches and healers to learn how, what, what the hell masculine and feminine energy was and how to balance it and how to heal my inner child. And, you know, things I never would have expected to be doing inside of quote unquote business coaching. Um, but it really helped. And never did I think that I would be on the other side of that equation. But in at the end of uh, 2021, 
I really got the message loud and clear from spirit to take six weeks away from my business. And so I very reluctantly agreed because I had set the intention of uh, the new year being a very soul led year. And so then the first thing my higher self asked me to do, I was like, oh, not that. Okay, fine. And so I did. And I I really thought that whatever wanted to be birthed in that time was going to be something to just help the agency grow. And really what actually came through was all of the things that needed to happen so that I could really extricate myself more from that business and step into coaching. And I was scared as hell to do it. And then I was like, okay, coaching, like now what? What kind of coaching? And you know, when the realization kind of landed that it was money, it's like I felt wildly unworthy of that. It was like, this is this is the thing that I feel like has always been an inner struggle for me. And, you know, uh, something where I'm still a student of the game. How am I going to teach on this? But I just, you know, put one little brave foot in front of the other. And here we are. Question, do you think really understanding, and I know the answer to this, but it's good to ask because I think it's an interesting, in the world of business, I think there's a lot of coaches. And actually my question is, do you think that having that deep understanding of marketing has really supported you to get to where you have gotten to in you know such a short space of time? So I know you're a multi-six business owner in terms of that coaching space, right? Yeah. How, you know, that skill set of marketing has it, how much has it helped you to be able to, you know, get those those results in such a short space of time and, and how? Yeah, you know, I will say, I actually don't think that my marketing game has been as strong as it could be, frankly, in my coaching business. Um, I, I've always understood sales and marketing of products, but even with our agency, we always sort of struggled to like, market ourselves, you know, in the same way that we market for brands. Um, But I think what actually helped me the most in starting my coaching business was my network. So as I had been investing in business masterminds and such, and, and just showing up vulnerably, not trying to be a leader, not trying to be whatever, but, you know, I had a really beautiful network of other six and seven figure business owners. And the moment that I said like, hey, this is something that I'm doing, I had people raising their hands saying, I want to work with you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Amazing. And, And that's really what started me on my way. And just in full transparency, you know, getting better at my own sales and marketing is some is a big focus for me right now. Like I actually want to go back to the fundamentals. I think I've been a little bit too much in the idea of like building the feminine energy business and, you know, just letting your soulmate clients come to you. And it's like, yes, I do believe that. And it has been true. And what if I combine that with good copywriting and solid marketing and like the business fundamentals and some of that masculine energy. And I really believe that that's going to be kind of the the secret recipe 
for this next level of growth. Yeah, you are singing my song, sister. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm for those who can't see my face, I'm like nodding furiously because that's, you know, that's my thing, right? Spirituality meets strategy. It's like yeah. you can absolutely do energetics and energetics only. But when you have the structure of that mas- masculine and a marketing plan and a, as you say, an intelligent copy and a sales strategy, it's like, oh, wow. Just, you know, you feel the power because you're looking at everything from every angle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's powerful. So I'm so, so glad that you spoke to that. I'm really interested then in, you know, you're a money healer and business mentor, what has your own relationship with money looks like over the years? Yeah. So when I, when I talk about money, I, I use some of the vernacular that I have inside of my money wound medicine program. And so my fundamental belief is that there are six different money wounds. We'll usually have, you know, two, three, maybe a sprinkle of four of them. Um, my biggest, I, I, my biggest ones were, the money shame wound, which is like, who am I to do this, to charge this? I'm not that special. So I was weaponizing money against my worthiness. Um, The hard money wound, which is like, if I want to make more, I've got to put in more effort. And so I was very bought into, you know, just the hustle and grind. And, and, you know, my husband and I used to say to each other, like, well, we're in a startup. This is the way it is in a startup. And so we just really believed that we had to pour tons of time and energy into the businesses for them to grow. And then um, the the last one for me that that still is probably a little more in play than those other two is the safe money wound. And that is like, I'm not going to feel safe or I can't be safe until... I hit this certain money milestone or I have this much in the bank account. And often those of us who lean in that direction have can have a little bit of hoarder energy around money. So it's very easy for me to live in the mode of delayed gratification and suppressing my wants and desires because it actually feels better to just hold on to the money. And so, you know, part of my healing has been really trusting in the circulation and allowing allowing myself more instant gratification, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fascinating. I'm sure you see this a lot. But, you know, obviously working as a business coach, you're helping people to meet what I call those magnetic milestones. And I find it's fascinating, you know, the contraction that often comes when like, oh my God, I've hit my first 5K month. And then, oh, there's a contraction. And, or, you know, I see it play out that they're kind of making that money, but spending it because it doesn't feel safe to hold it. So there's a massive difference, isn't there, between, you know, making money and then making money and, and, and holding money, keeping it you know, building the capacity to hold it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And what you're speaking to, I call it the disappearing money wound where it's like the money is spent. Actually, it's almost, it's usually spent before it even comes in. So my clients with the disappearing money wound, they are like master manifestors because they already have it spent in their head. 
So they have no resistance to the money coming in. Like they can bring in like 30 grand on, on a dime kind of a thing. Yeah. Because then it's going out just as fast. Like this that's what feels safe to them. <laughs> this is yeah. me, you know, like, oh, and then it's already spent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know you feel so called out. And so, um, and so it, in that paradigm, like the stretch is actually holding it and being in relationship with it and making it safe in the account which is sort of a, a indirect opposition to the safe money wound where it's like, well, I actually have to feel safe, like letting it go because I don't just need a whole pile of it over here. And that's not actually what's providing for my safety. So it's like, we got to meet in the middle somewhere because there's nothing wrong with having piles of cash and there's nothing wrong with spending cash. But what, what really matters is the energetics and the intention because when that's being, when we're taking action from a wounded place, we're not going to get the result we want. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I spoke to my one of my financial advisors this morning, specifically kind of around property investment. And we were talking about actually sometimes just having that pot of money sat there is really good because, you know, if things like, um, you know, interest rates go up and so your mortgage payment's going to go up, you need to be able to cover that. Or, you yeah. know, in buy-to-let properties, you know, you always need to have a percentage in the property, which means that, again, if something changes, you need the money to be able to do that. And that's where one of the bigger risks comes in because you're at risk of losing the property or not being able to pay for it. And so we were saying, you know, sometimes having that 20, 30 grand just simply in, you know, a bank account is really yeah. helpful. And for me, you know, for anyone listening who has that disappearing wound, one of the big things that's really supported me to be able to hold more has allowed, has been creating pots of money and having money sit in those pots without an intention to spend it, without a purpose for it, just simply being in my, in my world, in my physical world, <laughs> you know, there yes. in a pot. It's been so deeply satisfying and healing for that wound. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of my mastermind clients, uh, we were on a private call the other day and she is expecting a big chunk of money to come in. And she was like, you know, I, I want to pay you for the rest of the year in the mastermind. And I want to pay like my rent for a year. Like that feels awesome to do. And, you know, part of what I offer in, in coaching is just being kind of like an intuitive. And what I could feel was, mm, I think there's a little energy underneath there of, I don't trust myself with the money. And so I just asked her to look at that. Cause I'm like, look, if you want to pay your rent in advance for a year, it's fine. Like there's actually nothing wrong with that. That is neutral. What we want to make sure is that the intention underneath it is very clean. Because if there's a sneaky part, that's like, I might squander the money. I might spend it on something else. So I better just get rid of it now. I better just pay it in advance. So that way I can't F it up. Mm. Okay. Well, we don't want to be taking action from that. And when she looked at it and sat with it, she was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I didn't trust myself. And so what I encouraged her to do is that same thing you were talking about, which is like, how would it feel to have this pot of money and then just do the identity work because you get to buy things in your mind. You get to say, I'm the kind of woman who could pay my rent for a year right now if I wanted to. 
I'm the kind of woman who could buy a car in cash right now if I wanted to. I'm the kind of woman who could invest for the next year of mentorship right now, pay in full if I wanted to. And it's like having that pot of money is actually so fun because you get to play with being the kind of person that can do all of those things with it, but you don't actually have to spend it in order to do that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful, um, I was going to say like tool, but yeah, it's like a tool, isn't it? Like to get into that mindset and that embodiment of like, I am the kind of woman who could do that, you know? But I'm choosing not to, but I also could, you know, it's something so right. delicious. It's like in that. so empowering. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. So we know the money wounds you, you know, you've touched on, on your own. What are the, what are the key ones that you see come up? And I'm, I think I'm interested more in, obviously I work in kind of every stage of business. So there's that naught to 5k there's that scaling to sort of six figures. So let's say eight to 10K. And then there's scaling from six to multi-six. What do you think are the kind of key wounds or the, the, the key focus that's required at those different stages? Yeah, so I think when when you're starting out, probably working through the money shame wound, like healing any unworthiness around just stepping into the thing and doing the thing and charging. And and I don't agree with like the charging what you're worth and blah, blah, blah. Like who cares? Your prices are going to change over time. They may go up, they may go down. Like that's not the issue, but just believing that you can do it and that you can be in a financial exchange that you can show up, that you can use your voice. Right. Um, And then I think, I think from a practical perspective, just getting comfortable taking a lot of messy action. When we're in our perfectionism in those early stages, it can really slow us down. Like, I don't care who you talk to. They've all screwed things up. They've all made bad decisions. They've all put stuff out on the internet that they regret later. Like, this is part of entrepreneurship. And we have to just get comfortable with that. But even all of the bad decisions that I've made, the quote unquote wrong decisions, they all helped me. They all still got me closer to my goal because you learn you learn faster from doing the wrong thing than from doing nothing, which is what happens when you're in your perfectionism. So I think just being willing to like roll up your sleeves and be a student of the game and understand that you have to just try things and experiment in those early stages is so critical. And if you're making that mean something about you as a human and your worthiness, it's not going to be fun. (laughs) So that's like the strategy and the energetics together in those early stages. Um, I would say sort of mid-stage when you're maybe doing like, I don't know, twenty, thirty $30,000 The hard money wound often can start creeping up at that point in time where the math stops making sense in terms of the, if you think you have to put in this much more time and energy to make this much more money, it's like, ah, but how? (laughs) Or like, I'm not willing to because I also have kids and I have these other things that I want to do. And so 
again, there's, there's the energetic healing of that piece, which is understanding impact and, and energetics and how we can actually scale our, our energy without it being draining. And then there's the strategic pieces, which is like a lot of balancing masculine, feminine energy, getting more systems and structure in place, getting some team, learning how to actually delegate to them. Because when we're in our wounded masculine, we can think we're delegating, but really we're just giving people little breadcrumb tasks and we're still holding on to all of the pressure of whether they do it properly, what happens if they do it wrong, what's the consequence of the action they take. So that's a lot of the work that I do with um, my clients who are who are really in that scaling phase is like we got to get them out of the weeds a little bit and really get more masculine energy structures in place so that they can be more of the visionary or more of the celebrity archetype in their business. Um, and then I would say once you start getting into the seven-figure range, Sometimes the sneaky money wound that shows up that didn't show up before is the evil money wound where it's like, I might have to sacrifice my morals or risk my belonging in order to get this money. Like we start to feel like we're not relatable. Like, um, we're all of a sudden we're the villain in the movie where it's like, wait a second. Why I want this money, but also there's a part of me that doesn't want it because I'm afraid that I'm going to be judged and rejected by my community, that my belonging is going to be at risk. And what if I become one of those greedy, out of touch people? And it's actually, in a way, a good thing when those thoughts come up because it does mean that you are at a wealth up level. Like when you're just in like safe, little, comfy, relatable zone, you don't think you have any of those issues because they just haven't arisen yet. It's not until you're stepping into this next level of wealth, which isn't always around seven figures. It's usually around like whatever dollar amount you've attached a lot of meaning to. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, now I'm making more than my dad made. Totally, totally. <laughs> I feel like I've just sort of gone through that. I'd say like in the last couple of years, I'm actually hitting sort of multi-six figures. And I, I, something I had to get really comfortable with is like not being liked by everyone. That's also mm. okay. Like not everyone's going to like me, but not everyone was going to like me when I was earning like 25 grand. So, you know, right. it's like, and also something around what what wealth means for me. You know, I yeah. do like beautiful things and I love creating a beautiful home and I love travel, but I'm also not someone who necessarily spends thousands on like designer handbags. Like I buy right. all my clothes secondhand. So it's really knowing, but that is who I am. Like that is yeah. me and I'm okay with me being me and being someone who likes beautiful things, right? Yeah. So this kind of, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for us all to learn like what wealth means for us and being okay yeah. with what that is right yeah totally absolutely and and I also you may relate to this sometimes the thing that comes up it can really come up at any stage of the game but again it may come with a wealth up level is the money trust wound where it's like mm, I don't fully trust myself with money like what if I screw this up 
And, you know, that's a wound that can scale as our business scales if we're not doing the healing work. Because, you know, I will tell you as as an agency owner where, you know, we have, I think it's, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars in payroll every month. Like, just think about that for a second, right? If I get paperwork a couple times a year where it's employees that need an income verification so that they can buy a house. And it's like, those are those level set moments where you're like, oh shit, yeah. So like my business is actually responsible for this other person being able to get a loan on a house like there isn't really room for us to just like have a bad month and not be able to pay people, right? And so it can feel like a lot of pressure. And so we have to learn to trust ourselves with money and not be just like outsourcing all of those decisions. And I'm all for having bookkeepers and CPAs and wealth strategists. Um, But again, looking at the energetics below it, we want to make sure that we're not sneaky in our damsel in distress, just wanting our white knight to come in and save the day and just have like someone else make all the financial decisions so that we can abdicate responsibility. It's like we really want to be in our sovereignty and really trust ourselves and trust our intuition and also trust that we can pull together a team that really gets to support us. So true. That rock solid like self-trust. And ultimately, you know, entrepreneurship is built on self-leadership, you know, leading yourself, going first and building the trust along the way. What have been the things that have supported you when you were talking about kind of being responsible? It was making me think about safety, you know, and, and, and creating safety in the nervous system, in the body, you know, in the heart. So what have been the things that have supported you to create that trust and also safety to be able to hold something at that level? Yeah, I love that you brought it back to safety because it is a huge piece of like the work that I teach in Money Wound Medicine, which ultimately is like the medicine that I give myself. (laughs) Almost all of it comes back to safety because even when we think like we're unworthy, for example, and like worthiness feels a little different than safety. but But when we take it down to like deeper levels, well, what, why do we worry about our worthiness? Usually it's because we think that we have to earn the love and approval of others, that we're not just inherently worthy of it. Well, why do we want to earn the love and approval of others? It's like hardwired conditioned into us from the time that we're babies because we like someone loving us and caring for us truly was critical to our survival, right? So it, it's like almost all roads lead to safety and self-sourced safety. And so I, I'm amazed at how many situations in my life, now that I just know it and can name it, it's like, oh, I'm actually just feeling unsafe right now. Oh, okay. And then it's like, I can do something so different than what I would be doing if I was reacting to the situation. So it's like taking breaths, grounding, saying some loving words to myself, 
not forcing myself to make a decision in that moment when I'm triggered. Like these things sound so basic, but in my experience, they're so fundamental and it really changes everything. It's so true. I I feel, uh, I speak to this all the time. Like it's what you're doing outside of your business to, you know, with your safety anchors that will support your expansion in your business. Yeah. Like stop looking for safety in the business. Like, oh, once I earn that amount of money, then I will be safe. It's like, no, 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 no. Because then, like you say, another wound is going to show up. Right. And so what are you doing on a daily basis to enable you to feel safe, to be, you know, in that energy of safety, in the yeah. you know physical of safety? Um, and it can look like something so so simple. Like one of my safety anchors is a sweet, like cup of tea, such a British mm. thing, you know, but yeah. I have, I have honey in my tea. And if I'm feeling like, Oh, so I just sit down normally in my favorite place. I've got a new, new, new favorite place in my new flat. And I just sit with a sweet cup of tea and it just calms me down. You know, it's so powerful. And yet we think it's like, it's the big things and I'm going to do this course and I'm going to do these, all of these things. And it's like, it's normally the simplest things like taking a deep breath. Yes, absolutely. And particularly when we're talking about money, it is, it does feel so tied to our safety and to a great degree, it is. It is, survival. (laughs) It is. So when we can just name that and also tend to it, you know, I, I think this is something where we can get it twisted as far as like manifestation and that sort of thing. Like it is not kind to your nervous system when your only plan to provide for yourself, like true survival and safety is to like manifest the money. Like that is not a nice thing to do to your nervous system. And so we've kind of like poo-pooed predictable money. But look, if you need a day job or a part-time job, or mm, let's say, let's say that you want to be shifting your business in a different way, but there's this way that you know that you can get clients and you're like, I'm sick of going to networking events. But every time I go, I get clients. It's like, well, you're giving yourself the gift of safety and stability. Without that, it's not going to feel good to be working on this other new creative way. Like the only reason that way feels good is because your safety is taken care of. And I want to have more conversations around that because I feel like a lot of, especially women entrepreneurs, honestly have been harmed (laughs) over the last few years just in what they're consuming in the online space where they think that they need to just, that going all in means quitting everything they know and everything that's providing for their safety and just like starting something new on a hope and a prayer. And it's like that, that works sometimes. And if you do a visualization of that and the idea of like not knowing how you're going to pay rent next month, 
like absolutely puts you into a trauma response, then wouldn't it be such a gift for yourself to not put yourself in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the safety that's created, the action that's created from that place of safety also it's totally different and it allows you to show right. up differently. When I started my business, I was still doing freelance PR on the side. And I, you know, there's a recommendation that either have that side side project that pays your bills, you know, creates the safety or have a whole chunk of cash, you know, so that you're provided for, yeah. you know, for six months or a year or whatever feels safe for you. And that's that piece, isn't it? It's whatever feels safe for you because some yeah. people, everybody has a different, um, risk factor or, you know, yeah. uh, risk. I don't know what the word is. I'm looking tolerance. for yeah, <laughs> risk tolerance. And yeah. so, yeah, what feels safe for you? I'm so, so with you on that. It's really thinking about the bigger picture, yeah. you know, really thinking about the bigger picture. If I were able to, you know, generate income to pay, you know, what needs to be paid for, how would that change? How, I show up and knowing yeah. that it's part of a t- part of a bigger timeline, you know, yeah. what I'm doing now is building my future versus that you're right. Like, Oh, what I don't want to do it. And it's like, well, think bigger picture, you know? Yeah. So I'd love to talk about investing and something I personally been ex- sort of experiencing is now, you know, how do I make my money work for me? You know, what do you do to make your money work for you? And what, you know, how do you invest? What does that look like for you as a, as a money healer and business mentor? Yeah, I love this question. I actually like ran a, a whole program on it last year and brought in my wealth strategist and had her talk to like, I'm big on financial transparency because I, I feel like the mystery around money is not helpful for any of us. And you know, I I hired a mentor for $120,000 a year and was like inside of her mastermind and still never learned more about that piece than like, oh, we have some land and we have some houses. And it's like, if it's not at the level of specificity that I could take any action with it, then it's not that helpful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, how much land? How did you pay for it? Did you pay for it in cash? Do you have a note on it? Like, did you work with someone to find the deals? Like, I'm the kind of person that wants to know all of the details because then I can get my mind wrapped around it and figure out whether it's right for me or not. Um, and so when I share my stuff, it's not because I think everyone needs to do what I'm doing. I I really believe in sovereignty and like checking in with your own intuition. Um, but also like having enough information that you can sink your teeth into it and go explore and do your own research. So I've, I've never felt hugely connected to the stock market. I mean, I've done some FOMO stuff with it where it was like, oh, okay. And honestly, like I've lost a lot of money because of that. Again, probably because the intention was not correct. It wasn't from a place of, sovereignty. It was a place of fear of missing out and thinking that I'm doing the wrong thing and wanting someone else to manage my money. And then it's like, oops, they lost 30 grand. Oh, great. <laughs> you know? Um, 
So what we do, and and I don't know that some of these strategies even translate outside of the United States, frankly, but um, we practice infinite banking, which is a concept that has been written about in books. And, you know, you can do your own homework on that. Um, and so we work with a wealth strategist to actually execute it. But um, you use creatively structured full life insurance policies to basically move your money into your own bank. And then your money is doing three things for you. So when we start talking about our money making money for us, that's kind of the vibe, right? Is like, how do I get my dollars doing more? Um, so that money grows as though it's invested. So it gets an, an, a return every year. Um, we can take out a loan against it because it's our own bank, right? So we can we can take out a loan and then actually invest that cash in places, which we're doing right now. We're invested in some bridge loans. Um, we're in a mezzanine loan deal. Um, and, and frankly, a lot of our money is liquid right now as well because um, the real estate market's really softening here in the United States. And we're we're looking to pick up, you know, probably a single family home that would be like a short-term rental. Um and then the third thing that your money is doing once it's inside of this quote unquote bank is it has um a death benefit attached to it. So, you know, our kids are guaranteed to be millionaires, so we're building legacy wealth without having to just sock away a bunch of money that's going to be handed down to them. Um, so that's been a really cool thing. And, and what I'll say about it, whether, again, whether this specific strategy is, is right for anyone listening or not, is we started doing that way before we felt ready, way before we felt like we had any disposable income like any, it wasn't like money was piling up in the bank account. And then we were like, Oh, what do we do with all of this money? How do we invest it? Like, that was not the problem we were trying to solve. But we knew that, as with many investment strategies and getting your money to make money for you, time is something that isn't as a helpful component. So the sooner you start, you know, the more the more it will compound. And so we found creative ways to get started before we felt ready and just do it a little scared and dip our toe in and then do it a little more and a little more. And, you know, it's been really incredible. When I, when I led the program last year, I like did all the math and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. So we've amassed this much death benefit. We've amassed multi six figures in our own banks. And it's like, I didn't even really realize it because like you were saying, it's almost like these different pots of money. And so because they're in different pots, you actually have to intentionally add them all together every once in a while to understand where you're actually at with things. Um, but I, I would say the bigger message here is that the true wealth secrets of ultra high net worth individuals are not things that most of us 
ever heard about around our own dinner tables growing up. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. And we have more access to information now than ever before. Use it. Connect with people that are wealthier. Like whether you get to directly connect with them or you get to read their book or you get to listen to their podcast, like there is no shortage of information and you will start to learn how ultra high net worth individuals think and how they manage their money. And it is so unconventional compared to what we were taught. And so the sooner you get access to that and start undoing and unlearning this idea that you just squirrel away money over time, over the years, and eventually you've got enough to retire, the better. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is not the way to getting really wealthy. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so with you. It's something I feel like, you know, had I thought about that 10 years ago, where would I be now? But equally, you know, it's where I was at at the time. And yeah, I'm, I'm, there's, there's a, I'll link it in the notes. There's a a website called Female Invest in the UK, which Mm. is a site specifically created to support women to understand wealth and build wealth, you know, through various investment strategies. And you're right, you know, we don't get taught this stuff at school. It certainly isn't stuff, even with, you know, some of my groups of friends, it's not something that gets spoken about. You know, I have specific friends who are like, hey, how's your ISA doing? Hey, what's going on with your property investment? Like, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that's widely, it's something that's widely available, but not necessarily something that's, you know, widely spoken about, I think, particularly with women. And so, you know, if you want to become a master of something, become a master of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like, it's like Gary V. He was like, you want to like understand crypto, like learn 50 hours, like do 50 hours of trainings and workshops and listen to podcasts and read books. And once you've got that 50 hours, then you'll have enough to know whether it's for you and what to do about it, you know? Yeah. So true. So true. So let's finish. Let's wrap this up, shall we? I do think actually, I just wanted to touch on the relation, the responsibility piece of the industry and the transparency is something I'm, I'm so with you on. And it's so easy to talk about, you know, hitting your six figures or multi six figures or your seven figures. And it's like, yeah, but if there's no profit in the business, then that's not a sustainable, viable, profitable business. Right. And there's something right. I think is really beautiful in sharing that you know, yeah, we share our numbers, but equally we're sharing where, you know, where our expenses are going and what the profit margin is. Um, it's a, it's, it's a responsibility to the industry, I believe. And, you know, you're nodding. Completely agree. Yeah. 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 So if you were to give kind of one piece of advice when it comes to money and wealth and female leadership, what would it be? talk about it. (laughs) I mean, truly, like if you want some homework, think like, think about someone you wouldn't normally talk about money with and imagine yourself having a conversation with them, like asking how much they make, telling them how much you make, talking about, you know, what your wealth building strategies are. 
what will happen is that well before you ever even have the conversation, all of your mind stuff will come to the surface. And there is so much value in that because the the way we keep ourselves safe and small is to just take money conversations off the table. And then we never have to consider what we're actually afraid of, which is she's going to judge me or my number is too small. And what if she might like whatever those stories are, I really encourage you to look at them, poke holes in them, stretch your comfort level around talking about money, because this is how we actually change the planet. Like we've got to heal all of our money stuff. That's why I have money moon medicine. That's why I participate in conversations like this. It's still scary for me to talk about money sometimes, but it is so much easier than it was two years ago when I was just getting started because now I have a lot of evidence that turns out most people don't care as much as we think they do and you're not going to die. Like <laughs> You have the conversation and somehow your heart is still beating and you're still breathing and life goes on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get in the room, get in the room, be curious. I'm doing a behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes on Instagram at the moment, which is a specific kind of transmissions and um, stories for close friends. So people who have purchased it and it's mm-hmm. over the course of two weeks and today was money day. And I was like, literally you can ask me anything. And I loved it, you know, literally. Yeah. So you know how often you do that and then, you know, no one asks a question. I'm always the first person, even though I don't have a question, I'll just try and make one up. Cause I'm like, yeah. I want to be known in the room. And also if I'm, in a room with someone, I want to know, like, who are you? What's your story? You know, but I had brilliant questions, brilliant <laughs> questions. And it felt so empowering. To, I'm happy to talk about my numbers. I'm happy to talk about, you know, where I invest my money. I'm happy to talk about how much my expenses are because why would I, you know, why would I not be yeah. transparent? It actually supports and heals my wounds, you know, in, in doing it, you know, I'm experiencing that creating of safety because it's like, oh, I just told people what I take in the business and what my expenses are. And, oh, well, actually no one like, (laughs) no one hated me for it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And now you're actually opening yourself up for that coach or mentor, whomever's in that room to like really give you some interesting insights. Like when we withhold that information, how are they really going to coach us? Well, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. So last, last, last question is what does being a magnetic woman mean to you? Ooh, to me, it's like saying yes to yeses, saying no to no's and just like really letting your aura lead the way and bring you incredible people and incredible opportunities. Mm, It feels so delicious. (laughs) So delicious. So delicious. Beautiful. Thank you, Emily. Where can people find you? I hang out online. I'm at M Makes Money on Instagram and TikTok, Emily June Wilcox on Facebook and LinkedIn. EmilyWilcox.com is my website. So find me anywhere. Come say hi. Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. You're welcome. <laughs>